I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. I'm not finished yet. It took me a long time to get here. Both parents have, have spoken with each other, and, uh, and they regret what happened. They've had a frank discussion with each other, and they're, they're both of them are keen to, to now focus on getting back to their county jerseys. That these fellas will get such a shit shock next Saturday evening that we'll put them back in their houses for 10 years. So there's a fair bit of news to get through here, um, Connor, before we get to Paul Ryan interview. Paul Ryan, obviously Dublin hurler who retired last Friday um, and he interviewed Paul yesterday and geez, he was in great form. I didn't realise he was such a character. Um, I didn't even get to the fact that he scored 2-7 in the Leinster final against Galway in 2013. I started off trying to talk about hurling and then just started listening to him tell stories, which was fantastic. It was a nice change. So the interview is about a half an hour long and it's not a hurling interview for any of the football snobs because we know there are football snobs um, here as well. This is uh, this is uh, uh, stories about being an inter-county player. doesn't matter if it's hurling or football and plenty about Anthony Daly and some of his unique punishments Let's just say if the lads um, if the lads ever stepped out of line. So it's fantastic stuff. So make sure you listen to that in in part two. I don't know where we are, um, Connor, because like I mean, I'm not sure if I misunderstood everything that was going on last week, right? So Jack Chambers came out and said that the GA had lost its elite status. I kind of th- took that as an indicator that the government were you know cutting the GA off. Then you kind of hear that the GEA made, their, made the decision themselves to cut themselves off. Like, I mean, Nefet didn't advise Jack Chambers. Um, the GEA's own advisory group advised them not to return to play. Then you kind of start hearing that the GEA lost their lease status because they never actually applied for it this year to the government. So, like, I mean, I don't know that everybody else kind of scratching their head about what was going on last week or was it just me? No, it's me too, Willie, and I imagine it's the whole GA community. I think it's I think I think people that are involved in the actual decision making process, some of them are scratching their heads as well, to be honest, because uh, you just mentioned the elite status stuff there, and I just went back and I looked at the GA statement and it does mention about elite status and it says because it doesn't have that status anymore, 
that as such a return to inter-county training or games is not permitted under the current restrictions. And yeah. then it's also clear that there's no going to be no change to this position post-March the 5th when restrictions are currently reviewed and then the view of the GHGA's COVID advisory group that no on-field activity permitted until Easter at the earliest. So that's what I was going on. And then you're seeing this stuff from Jack Chambers. I think Peter Fitzpatrick was saying a few things, you know, and this is going back off, like added, added, added into the mix for all this was Tom Ryan and a couple of senior GA heads saying a couple of weeks ago that they were confident of a return to competition by the end of March. That seemed to be put to bed by the statement last week. So as yeah. if we needed, the last thing we needed around all this was mixed messaging and confusion. And to me, that's all that seems to be prevailing right now. It is, it is. It's really frustrating. It's really frustrating. And it's so frustrating for manager, managers and players that this, there, there, no one seems to understand. And now it looks like it might go ahead at the start of April all, all over again. So Paul um, Flynn has sent a, a letter to his member, to the GPA members. And in fairness to him, he's clarified it <laughs> some bit. Because when I read this, it's like, all right, okay, so that's actually what I'm... I wouldn't mind I spoke with Alan Milton and I'm still confused uh, after last Thursday about what's going on. So he told his members, no change. And this is important for the inter-county game, as far as I'm concerned, for it to be seen. And this is irrespective of returning to play or anything got to do with this, is that the people of Ireland see them as elite players and it is important for the players and it isn't because especially when they see League of Ireland, no disrespect to League of Ireland, I'm delighted League of Ireland is going ahead for the people who like League of Ireland. But we do feel that inter-county players are elite and they are elite GEA players and it doesn't mean if they're professional or not. So I think for that to have been taken away from GEA players, I thought that was a bit of a kick in the arse, to be honest with you. So Paul Flynn, anyway, has told his members, no change to the status. There has been no change to the status of inter-county games, nor has the high regard in which it's held in government. But he also revealed that it, it, it is the view that the G, that the GEA's COVID-19 Advisory Committee, which includes Professor Mary Horgan, who's a, who's a member of NEFED, that Gaelic Games should not return at this time. So the GEA's own advisory group advised the GEA, and this was, this was all lost last week for me anyways, in the whole elite status um, you know, um, argument. I said, it is the view of the GEA's COVID-19 Advisory Committee um, that Gaelic Games should not return at this time, given the prevalence of the virus in our communities. Um, then he said, um, he spoke to Jack Chambers and uh, Chambers explained that an exemption under Level 5 restrictions had been in place to allow the 2020 season to be concluded. And this is an important part. But there was no submission made by the GEA, the LGFA and the Camogie Association to seek a further exemption to allow the inter-county season to commence this time. So no criticism of the government here about the elite status, no criticism about of NEFED. This is the GEA's own fault. So you nearly need to separate the two things. Elite, the GEA not being regarded as elite by the government, that's the GEA's fault. They didn't reapply for it. And uh, the GEA not continuing on, again, that is not the government's fault. That is the GEA's fault. I don't mean fault because, like, I mean, this is not a criticism of their decision to postpone it. While it is disappointing if the GEA's advisory committee thinks that, you know, there's too much, there's, it's, it's in the community too much. Um, it would be an awful pain in the arse, Connor if we started a National mm. League and the National League is is cut into, instead of Division 1 being eight teams, it's four teams and four teams. You've only got three games. Imagine if two of your three games were postponed yeah. because of, you know, and that how frustrating would that be? Especially when you consider how important the league is this year determining, you know, the, the A and B championships. 
Yeah, no, I I accept that, and I accept that they 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 foresaw potential problems down the line with the league. But I just don't like. I I just wonder. You talked about the exemption to level five restrictions. Now, I, like I wasn't aware that the GA were under were were considered elite under an exemption uh, under level five before Christmas, for example. I just thought they were classed as elite in the same way that League of Ireland players, as you mentioned, were elite or professional rugby players were classed as elite, and they just belonged in that category rather than you know an exemption being applied. And I just wonder was that like was there some people in the GA that weren't aware actually that it was an exemption as opposed to them actually having that status? Because yeah. I, I'm just going back to the G, like the, the GA statement when they announced the cessation of activities until the Easter seemed to be based on the fact that they were told that and you know that 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 their elite status doesn't apply under level 5 or it's not going to apply under level 5 from the 5th of March so yeah i accept that you know i accept the fact that okay maybe they maybe they realize that there's just no point in trying to proceed with the league you know in maybe early, early april because it's just going to be subject to too many it's just going to be too many difficulties but i i still think i i still think there's confusion there's just confusion abounds like amongst everybody here and like you know, because we we saw how the the championship proceeded, you know, without too much difficulty before Christmas, and I would have thought that because everybody had seen how that worked, that that that, that the government were happy for the GA to to maintain that elite status. But listen, it seems uh, clarity is badly needed. I think some yeah. clarity of some description is coming next week, and it's not before time. Yeah, exactly. So I think GA management, according to John Fogarty and the Examiner, GA management um, are now kind of split over whether which comes first, the inter-county game, which was always the plan, or the club game. Now, I don't know if this is just, you know, I don't know if this is much of a talking point, but um, John Horan wants the inter-county to go first. Fergal McGill is the same. And the GA director of finance, Jermall Ryan, he called for the GA to revise the plans to start with the county first. So the longer the county is pushed back and the more vaccines are rolled out and the closer we get to a level two club can only be played under level two the finance director which is not a surprise potentially would want the club to start first and then as we get into august september october november when hopefully there'll be enough i saw leo varadkar saying that there'll be a thousand or a million vaccines in april may and june sure you know that's getting a good blast of it straight away that maybe the the, fin- the director of finance obviously wants to get some money in because obviously the GA accounts came out this week and it's not uh, it's not really pretty reading. I was just thinking maybe a compromise here, Connor, would be get the leagues out of the way when we can get going in April. Determine the Talton Cup and you know the 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 Sam Maguire. Um, then play club maybe June, July, August, and then play your championship from September to December, a bit like last year with you know, reduce crowds or whatever. There could potentially be some sort of compromise there. Yeah, I saw, I saw that layout, Willie, and it, it looked appealing, to be honest. I was just just giving off the back of what we were just talking about, about confusion and when the league will actually be able to go ahead. That was my only thing. We might know next week whether, you know, we might have more clarity next week on whether leagues will be able to go ahead. And if they were, if they were able to go ahead from April, I kind of like that scenario, to be honest, um, because it kind of, uh, you know, like it's, the, you know the 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 intercounty game doesn't need to be back to level two, level three like the club does. So league, yeah. So get that going straight away, yeah, as, you know, as soon as possible. Exactly. So league could, could go ahead, I suppose. Yeah, I suppose the only thing is that the club will probably have to be back to level two to be able to proceed. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I think that, by June, we'll be at level two, surely to God, or I'm emigrating. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure nobody would like to see that. Really. <laughs> but like, in, in fairness to the people that like say, I know that um, the the finance advisor, like he was, 
you listen, this is on the backdrop of the GA declared a 34 million deficit in 2020. So you can see where the finance director is coming from. Any source of revenue that any potential source of revenue, they're obviously going to be on the lookout for it, you know. And if that means potentially having the, the county championships at the end of the year, you can understand that. But the, 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 the kind of inklings I've seen from John Horne, from Tom Ryan, and from Fergal McGill is that they're in favor of the county first approach, I think, is that they want to give clubs as free a run of it as possible. And that would probably mean leaving it till leaving it till later in the year when hopefully the vaccine's been rolled out. Hopefully we're at level two and we won't be in a situation, you know, come during the summer where we're looking at, you know, a club championship starts and then a couple of weeks down the line, you know, you're having to postpone it. Like we're I think we're looking at eleven county championships from twenty twenty that have yet to be finished. So, you know, they're thinking about giving it as free run as possible, which I like because I suppose at the end of the day you're talking about the vast majority of the GA membership that are represented with the club games too. So if they yeah, can run it at it as possible, that that's probably going to be the best way. It'll be interesting to see how they how they plan it out. Um, Donald O'Sullivan, who's the Limerick goalkeeper, um, he's a junior doctor at the University of University of Limerick Hospital. He said um, the year gone by really highlighted highlighted the the social importance of the GEA for me. It's good for your physical and mental health. It equips people with social skills. GEA has really given me the skills to survive this year. It's a very healthy pastime if done right. It is minimal risk with regards to overrunning the health service and the capacity of ICU beds. This has to be clear in the decision makers' heads. Now, I completely understand, you know, going to league games on buses and the bubble stuff and all this kind of thing. But what I can't understand is on March the 5th, let teams train. You go to training on your own, in your own car. We were used to that from last year. You go outside, you don't go inside a dressing room and you train. You're outside in the wind and the bloody rain and it's minimal, minimal, minimal risk involved in training. And it is the be- the benefits that... All those players, club and county, from training together, from being outside, from getting fit, from having something to do in the evenings, that social interaction. Is the, are the risks associated with that? Surely they, out, they outweigh the risks involved in it for, for hospital capacity and ICU beds, which are, you know, which are the big kind of uh, worrying point for, uh, for easing of restrictions. I don't think that should apply to healthy pastimes like training outdoors. Yeah, well, obviously, Donald O'Sullivan, you know, given his profession, probably knows knows a bit more about it than yeah. than, than us, Woolley. And when you hear him kind of uh, preaching the benefits of of you know of you know of being able to return to organised training at least in some capacity, well, then that has to be kind of taken on board as well. I mean, even even like there was a stage, wasn't it, like when when restrictions were kind of gradually being eased last year, of you know, were you able to train in like groups of you know, 10 or 15 or something. In pods, yeah, in pods, yeah. Even return to that on March the 5th. Let people out. Let let us out of the houses pretty much. I'd, I'd go back playing uh, junior just to do something. <laughs> well, like, we were saying that last week is that normally at this time of year, people would dread kind of going back to training. But like people would, yeah. people would relish the prospect of even doing that sort of training this time of year just for a return to organised sport of some description. I mean, I, I like even like a five-a-side, like that's, and that's different because that's not as organised as club training, for example. But what I mean by that is that like, I, 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 and I'm sure you're the same and loads of people are just crying out with something for something, organised sport of some description, something with a set time in your week, you know, that you know on yeah. the evening you're going training or Thursday evening you're going playing a five-a-side. It provides a bit of structure, and provide something, you know, to look forward to, which is just something something we're all dying for at the moment, as opposed to, yeah, you can go out and do your exercise, but it's kind of, you know, it's it's not as if, 
it's not as if you're dying, you know, you don't you don't set in your schedule that I'm going to go out and do a 5k run unless you're really organized of eight o'clock of a Thursday evening. And you're not going out and meeting with people and getting that social interaction as well. well so. that, yeah, yeah. Well, and, and that's it. And like, I mean, there's no I'm not trying to, you know, talk about f- opening up, because often when you say these things online, you're accused of, oh, sure. Why don't we just open everything up and have the cases? Exposed? No, keep the level five restrictions, whatever you want to do, but allow bloody teams train outdoors. That's all I that's all I want. And if you had children in school and teams allowed to train outdoors for people's own mental health and for their fitness and mental well-being that would would stop me complaining um, at least for a little while and an interesting one Peter McKenna had during the week um, was that Amazon are in the mix for GEA rights and that, never really thought of this he said we have a very good product for media uh, rights negotiation and I think there's a lot of players in the market now and new ones coming into it so I'd be very confident that we'd be in a very healthy um, discussion with existing partners but there are newcomers coming into that frame too like Amazon for example so Amazon have gotten into to the Premier League uh, Champions League um, and I think they're in for rugby uh, UK's premiership they're bidding for that at the moment like the GA sponsorship media revenue in 2020 according to their accounts w- was pretty much halved from 20 million down to down to 10 million 2019 because obviously the, the, the media partners didn't have the same packages that they had bought so they, they probably paid um, less for it but it, that, that's an interesting one because the, the broadcast uh, rights are up in 2022 as far as I know Connor and like I mean uh, my attitude towards this is the more the merrier and like uh, what, what what really kind of makes me wonder is when Sky got the deal and Sky were up against Virgin and it's like RT were this sacred cow that you couldn't take their games why not if Virgin bid, Virgin should be bidding in competition with RT because they're both free for air, right? And why Sky would go up against Amazon, you know, as the pay-per-view, you know, or, or let's, why not have it? It's not a situation where it's RT or Virgin. Let Virgin have half of RT's games. Let's see what Virgin do with it. Maybe Virgin would um, love having those rights so much they would do two shows per week then. You know, RT yeah. don't seem to have an appetite to do anything outside of the live games and the Sunday game. It's it's tumbleweed the whole week. Why is RTE? I think the day of RTE, you know, just being penciled in immediately. That has that script has to be ripped up at this stage now because they're not given like. And I've said it on this show loads of times. You see what Sky Sports do for the Premier League. It's it's way over the top the amount of shows they do, but they make they make people think the Premier League is the greatest league in the world. You know, like, I mean, do RT make you think the GEA is the greatest product on earth? No, they don't. They absolutely don't. Not by what they give it. So why not let Virgin have half their games? Why do RT have have, have this 30-whatever exclu- exclusive games or how many they get? Like, why don't give give some games to Sky? Give some games online then to to um, Amazon. Let's see what they all do with it. Let's g- give us loads of... And, like, I don't know. I just don't see why... Like, for the majority of the championship, it's just Sky and RTE. Like, it's a very kind of narrow... Um, it's a, it's a very yeah. yeah. I I I think what you need to probably you said that they're up for a negotiation at the end of this year or next year, is it? I I think it, like it, it's it's a perfect time as any to reframe the conversation around the distribution of GA rights because, as you've said there, it's it's like it's moved on. Like you know, it's, like broadcasting and, and the way that people consume these 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 products, for want of a better phrase, it, it has changed. It has changed completely, and and just. On that note, I wondered, like, did have like, did did Peter McKenna come up with Amazon from thin air, 
or was it a thing that like Amazon have indicated an interest in getting involved and maybe off the back of the fact that they're opening a distribution center in, in Dublin in the near future as well and kind of want to make sure that they get their name out there to an Irish audience. But but yeah, it's just, I, I just my only thing on this is that like, are you going to like end up with a scenario where somebody who wants to, you know, the average GA fan who wants to consume GA in 2022 or 2023, if they want to get as much GA as possible, and this is on the GA, like, but is it a case that they're going to have, they're going to have to have a TV package that includes RTE, Sky, Air, and then, you know, have, you know, an, an Amazon, uh, Amazon subscription on top of that. So I like, I just worry about that for, for the ordinary fan, but in terms of the, the, the need to, the need to kind of revisit the approach to GA rights is absolutely there. I think so. Like, I mean, the, the majority of games will be on free to air like they already are. It's just like, I mean, give. And the big thing for me, Connor, really is the highlights rights. And this is the most frustrating thing. And I've been in contact with the GEA about this. And they own the online highlights rights. They own them. They they put out the clips of all the games, you know, and, and um, halftime highlights, full time highlights uh, online. And they own that. But we couldn't use them. I've asked them, can I even use the ones that you've made public on Twitter? And the answer is no. So, like, I mean, the highlight trice is a huge thing for midweek shows, you know? And, like, I mean, if you're if you're allowing different broadcasters in, highlights rights should be available to anyone that wants to buy them. Would there be any argument to say that, that there's anything wrong with that? Like, if Virgin tomorrow wanted to do a, a Monday Night Football-style TV show, or if we wanted to do it, why would the GA ever want to stop that? Just, I just don't understand that. Well, I, I, I don't understand it either. And and the, like the main thing about it, as you said, is that they're not being used at the moment. So like, say if the GA have the exclusive rights, so you'll say you'll be following a match on a Sunday maybe. And if you're following it from afar, you might be able to, you know, there might be a clip of a few points or a clip of a goal. And the odd time, they, they have little packages then during the week that go out on social media channels. But that's, to me, that's the extent that I see the highlights being used. And you, you touched on a good point there in terms of like the lack of, the lack of kind of GA coverage then throughout the week, as you said, like something yeah. similar like Sky Sports would do for the Premier League. So like they haven't all been brilliant, but like, you know, I, I still think there's absolutely a market for a, a midweek slash late week GA show where, you know, you're, you're, you're getting the buzz up for games of the weekend and stuff like that. And you can have a bit of crack with it or something like that. It's, it mightn't be your straightforward kind of preview or something like that, but something to, 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 to create more of a buzz around the, the product that's going out of the weekend. Like I used to really like show sport on, on TG Car. It was, it wasn't all GA, but like they had some really good GA heads on it. And then, and just, I used to like watching it on a Friday night before a game that was on a Sunday and they don't have that anymore. So I'm not sure why yeah. they'd be so protective of those highlights rights when they're not really, really, really being used to full capacity at the moment. I'd like to hear a, a, a better explanation from the GA on that. Well, that, that's it. And that's just the highlights. But like, I mean, I saw Michael Foley um, said to me on Twitter, the Irish or the Sunday Times journalist, and he he was saying he obviously did the documentary, The Bloody Field, that Art, he inquired about this. And RT apparently said that the there was no appetite for the midweek uh, GEA shows. So they moved, they were moving into documentaries. Um, now, this is according to, to Mick. Um but the GEA shows they did were absolutely desperate. Do you remember? Like, I mean, you'd have Marty doing a show, the committee room or something, and then the next year, that would bomb, and then the next year he would do another one. And it's him and two two or three talking heads. is dreadfully boring. Like, I mean, you could easily do a magazine-style show with a few sketches and a few clips and, you know, I don't know, 
whatever you want to do, whatever you want to do. You could do an entertaining hour long show just because the way RT did it was so desperate doesn't mean that you that you just give up on it. You just do a good one. Yeah, no, that that that's I, I suppose once bitten twice shy in, in terms of like, you know, seeing that the seeing the ratings maybe and then that they didn't really have to have the impact that they have, but that doesn't mean that it can't that doesn't mean that it can't work. Do you know what I mean? Like you 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 maybe it's the formula that was wrong the whole time and like just from my experience of 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 GA shows that I've seen in the recent past, that probably was the case. So just to get back to it, it is a shame. It does seem a shame to me that there's not there's not been there's not, you know, more exploration of what we can do. But you know, bringing the likes of Sky in and even Virgin and potentially Amazon, that's maybe then that creates the potential to to explore that audience more. And I think the GA are going to have to do that when they're revisiting the rights. Um, because as you mentioned there, you touched on the kind of um the the loss of revenue that they had last year. So they have to open themselves up for for as much, you know, potential to explore what revenue they can bring in from now on. So Listen, hopefully, Wally, that whatever pitch that you have will, will land eventually and, and somebody will discover that uh, that what you have in mind is going to work for, for your midweek mag- magazine show. Yeah, well, for, well, no, there's nothing actually stopping us. We're looking into here, looking into doing a magazine show for the for the championship. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, there's nothing to stop anyone doing a magazine show. It's just you're 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 being yeah. stopped doing a Monday night football type highlight with, with good analysis. You know, when you have a day or two to actually look at the game once or twice and pick out kind of bits that in fairness to the Sunday game or Sky in the live games, it's not always easy to find really interesting bits so fast. Um, But, you you know, with a couple of days looking, you know, with angles behind the goals, you could potentially come up with some some, uh, good stuff. Another one, I wanted to talk about was well obviously GA Congress is next weekend, not this weekend coming. So we'll discuss a little bit more some of the the, the motions to Congress. And obviously the All Stars are this weekend too. So we might chat have a chat about the All Stars um next Thursday. Um but there's one I wanted to talk about. It's the most it's the biggest head scratcher really, and it is a proposal to prevent joint captains accepting cups. Now, when I read this a couple of weeks ago, I went, for God's sake, of all things to be worried about, and this kind of our nonsense, a proposal going to, to Congress to, to prevent joint captains accepting cups. So this is not a proposal to ban joint captains, because like David Fitzgerald is one who really believes in them. And he said, well, I'm continuing on my joint captains. But what's going to happen is that Lee Chin and Matthew Hanlon will not be allowed to go up and collect the cup and lift it together. Now, Connor, of all the things we complain about in the GA, how far down your list of problems would this be? <laughs> At the moment, given all we've talked about today, <laughs> I would say buried under the ground somewhere, Willie, is where, where I'd say it belongs to the list of priorities at the moment. Yeah, it's actually, it's a weird one. But Davy Fitzgerald was talking about, so, like, I mean, imagine there's only 37 have gotten through and because it's it's an abbreviated Congress because it's online, but this one has made it through. <laughs> this one has made it through, which is again, it's oh, another. Well, Pardon? Like so, I, I, I've only seen a report on this, and I haven't seen it explained. I thought it might be a COVID thing, you know, to, to do with like wanting less people handling cups or something like that. But that doesn't seem to be the case. Is it? Is this just, you know, administration for administration's sake? I don't know. It's not a COVID thing. I think I don't know. Maybe they don't think it looks. Right. I'm not too sure. Um, we'll have to find something about uh, for next week when we chat about the Congress. I was trying to get some of the joint captains on because I know obviously Lee Chin and Matthew Hanlon is, is, the, is the current one. Tony Kelly and Keen Dillon, they won the National League of 2016. That's another Davy Fitzgerald team and they lifted the cup together. Cara Finn had Michal Lundy and Jason Leonard. They lifted the 
the All-Ireland. Um, they seem to do it. Now, there's been other examples of, uh, say, Declan O'Sullivan and was it the Gooch? I think Declan O'Sullivan was dropped back one year and the Gooch was acting captain and then Declan got back on for the final and then they lifted it together. So they weren't really joint captains. They just lifted the cup together. But they wouldn't be allowed to lift the cup together in future. But actual joint captains the whole year, they can continue on if you're still with me, uh, but they just can't lift the cup together. So there's two different kind of things going on here. But David Fitzgerald said, I've heard the decision and I, for one, will not be changing. It's a typical GA decision, but really they have more important matters to be dealing with. Completely agree with David there. I'll be staying with my two captains. Of that, there's no doubt. The role of captaincy brings its own pressures. I would not be, for, I would not be placing those demands on a single player. Um, this is all about the person, about being able to cope with the captaincy without hindering his own game. This is a team game after all. That makes the captaincy all the more important. Given the present demands, it's too much for any one player. With that in mind, I'll be sticking with two captains. Now, I, I agreed with Davy at the start, but I don't agree with him. Jesus, if you're picking a captain, I would say Lee Chin and Matthew O'Hanlon might have an issue with saying, Jesus, mate, I'd be well able to handle this honour on my own. I'm mentally strong enough and I know that I'm consistent. You know, I play consistently well. That's usually a captain, Connor, somebody with a very strong character. And if that's if you pick the correct captain, is someone who consistently plays well, where this won't be, won't be, you know, hanging on his shoulders. I wouldn't say I'd be really too much in agreement with Davy on the joint captaincy. Well, I, I find it interesting, especially that he's done it twice. He's done it with Clare and then he's done it with Wexford. Yeah. For his, his, like to explore maybe his more his rationale. I know he's kind of explained it there, but the, just the stuff he says there about giving the present demands is too much for any one player. I mean, like I, I thought like the inter-county setups particularly had reached a stage where there's any amount of leaders in a group and while you mightn't be captain by name, you know, you were expected. It's not as if you heap all the responsibility or whatever responsibility there is on one player. Do you know what I mean? And that there's an onus on the senior players, you know, to to help out and to, and to provide leadership. So there's not as much kind of um, responsibility. So I, like I, the only thing I'll say, Willie, I, I've never been in a setup um, where there is joint captain. So I like I I don't know of the benefits. So it'd be interesting. I'd like to hear before I you know ridiculed it entirely. I'd like to hear a bit more on Davy Fitz and actually more pertinently. The likes of Lee Chin and Matthew O'Hanlon to see what benefits they get from from sharing it, or or if there's any conflict, because I'm sure you know egos come into it here as well, and somebody might think, "I don't need you, I don't need a joint captain, I'd rather be captain of my own." So it's a it's an interesting one, but you need to you need to hear from people who've been there, I suppose. Well, that's it, and like I mean, it's making the speech. Who gives the speech? Who lifts the cup from now on? If it's only one, and we know, like for me. The other lad can make the speech. I want to be the one lifting, <laughs> lifting the cup. Do you know what I mean? That's if that's if they're they're both banned. But you're right. Like even making speeches and who talks in the huddle and for me it adds an extra dynamic that's not needed between two players. That's listen. I completely respect Davy's uh, take on it. I I wouldn't be one. I wouldn't be going down that road. I think it might cause maybe extra hassles for the two players than they possibly need. You know, that would be my take yeah. on it. Um, some news out of Leash this week is that they have banned media from county board meetings. So there's two bits of news coming out of Leash this week. So that's number one. They've banned media from county board meetings and they've, they've put a ban on media contacting players directly as well. So we'll talk about the, the ban from the county board meetings first. I agree with one. I, I kind of agree with both, but I don't agree with part of one. So we'll go we'll go through it anyway. So the leash, the county board meetings, I don't have a problem with this. And I'll tell you why. Um, so they've banned the media. It was only really leashed today website, very good website um, that just concentrates on on everything um, in leash. 
Um, it's run by Stephen Miller, who is formerly the, the Leinster Express and the Limerick leader. And they, um, they're the ones that are probably consistently at them. But here's my take on this. So the G- these GA have said that they're going to provide the media with regular updates from the meetings, right? So the way I look at this is, I don't mind that. Like, what happens at these meetings? I, like, I mean, it, what I what I find, and I've seen a couple of examples of it, is po- some poor Owlstock delegate from some club, and he stands up and says something stupid. And this becomes national news, and it reflects on Leash GA because it's a county board meeting, you know, and it reflects on the GA. There's one example was uh, Kieran Levy, actually. He said something... Uh, he said something stupid a couple of years ago, and he rolled back on it. He he like he he said that he'd gone too far, and he said that if it was he was talking about the competition between GA and soccer, and he was like, "Well, if I had my way, if a lad wanted to go play soccer, we say good luck to him or whatever." You know, just a stupid thing to say like that. That that law was was gotten rid of forty six years ago. You know that if you're playing yeah. GA, you couldn't play others. But he rolled back on it, said it didn't mean it got carried away. But this made national news. Like he was on news talk being grilled about this. And does he need that? At least GA had to release a statement distancing themselves from it. So is it the end of the world that the media gets, you know, the main the main talking points from that meeting without embarrassing amateurs who are at that meeting who might want to have their house speak? Okay, no, so I get, I get that, William, and like, uh, trust me, Kieran Levy is far from the only person who's made stupid statements at county board meetings that then go on to get national coverage. When, you know, they're not necessarily blown out of proportion, but like, you know, they're, they're, you know, it it shouldn't have gone that far. Basically, it was a mistake, and he he rolled back in the media. He probably probably said realized as soon as he said it that it was stupid, and it got it probably got more prominence that it should have. The only thing I'll say on this is that like. And like Stephen Miller, be able to speak more of it. I haven't been that. I haven't been that soldier who does the the county board beat. Let's say, but there there are plenty of them throughout the country who do. Uh, but like all I'll say on that is, so you you mentioned the soccer thing there. That's stupid, right? But let's say there was an important decision taken at county board level, right? And it's an unpopular decision. I don't think me personally. I don't think there's anything wrong with media being there to report on the process behind it. Or let's say if there was opposition to it within the county board meeting, and that sort of that's that stuff that might not get out because you know if if there was summaries of these meetings being provided to the media, yeah, yeah. So, look, yeah, I do understand that, but I suppose a journalist in that and from that point of view would see a contentious one, and if it looks to him, you know, the Jesus, this was hardly full agreement, then make a call or two. I don't look to be honest with you, it's not something I have a huge problem with. Wexford have done it in 2017. Wexford, the first team to ban the media. Um, from county board meetings, Galway uh, meetings are are off limits. Awfully did it a couple of years ago. I remember their chairman at the time before Dignan, uh, Michael Dignan took over. He banned it because he just didn't like he didn't like uh, the media actually reporting the stupid stuff that was going on in there at all. But like, I mean, I don't know. To be honest with you, I take your point, and to, it's not something I would have a huge deal with. If I'm being honest, I do like I, I can see I can see kind of both sides of it. The other one on the ban of contacting players. Again, I don't have a problem with this in that this I, I don't like it, but this is not unique to least GEA. Like, I mean, it's very difficult to get hold of players directly now. I remember uh, our managers, I remember kind of an awkward moment at the start of last year was a start or the start of the year before when James Horan took over Mayo. 
And like I obviously would have had a good relationship with with James because we worked together in News Talk um, when he was a pundit. And, you know, you'd meet him and we'd be at different games or live shows together. And like I remember texting him when he got the Mayo job. Hey, James, how's it going? What's the crack? And then there was this kind of awkward moment where James had to to tell me, you know, you have to go through this, you have to go through this fella now from now on or whatever. And I was like, all right, okay, grand. So that's kind of it. That was me and James kind of, uh, you know, direct line gone. I remember something similar with Damien Comer, Shane Walsh in, in Galway, you have to go through. It's not unique. You won't get a Dublin player without going through their media man. You won't get a Donegal player without okaying it with someone. Do you get me? Like this, yeah. this, this doesn't sound great, but again, this is the way it's going, unfortunately, and it's not right. I, I don't like it. It's. I think a player should be uh, is is adult, adult enough, adult yes. enough to to be able to make his own decision. And like down through my career, I did some media that I really regretted. I did some media that I didn't mind, and I learned what I wanted to do and what I didn't. I'd hate for that decision to have been taken away from me, like I'm some sort of child. But anyways, the one part of this I don't like, which is just complete dictatorship. This is. I'm quoting this from the the Independent. Michael Verney had this and he said, County management have also given protocols for dealing with the press with all interviews or attendance at at publicity events in and out of season. Now, that's just outrageous. So when you finish your inter-county season, anyways, you have to request the least GA chairman, secretary or PRO and you have to give a brief uh, summary of what you're going to talk to these players about. But that's fair enough and I'll accept that during the championship. But these inter-county players are back with their clubs now. We're in club season and during club season the access to the players is fantastic. So technically you will have to go through the least chairman, the least secretary or the least PRO to interview a player when he's not even in the inter-county setup. That is a dictatorship. Every leash player should just down tools until that is completely confirmed that you will not have in any way any control over what I do. It's bad enough that you're controlling me when I'm in the inter-county bubble, but you can go do one if you think you're going to start telling me what to do when I'm back with my club. Yeah, well, that that implies that implies Willie that they're the property of Leash GA. So, <laughs> yeah. Like these are these aren't professional athletes we're talking about. You know what I mean? Like that's it's 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 yeah, it's bordering on proper. You already mentioned dictatorship there. It's bordering on kind of uh, like a propaganda that 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 sort of approach. Like you know, like a like and, and you like who how, how who does it apply to? For example, does does it apply for somebody? Say if so, you've been on the Leash panel for a year, right? And you go looking for an interview in December and you're told you go through the channels that you're supposed to go through now and you're told, no, I can't do whatever. And that same fella is told in January that he's not being called back for the following year. That just, uh, I, I don't know, that that really, that really kind of irks me. And the reason why it's just, it comes back to contr- wanting to control the message. And this is why I have an issue with what you're saying about the county boards meeting as well. So while, while I can see the logic in it and you've some of the logic in it, I don't agree with it, to be honest, but I can see some of the logic in it, but it all taps into this kind of idea of wanting to control the message themselves as opposed yeah. to being, and that spares them from any sort of scrutiny whatsoever. And that's not, that's not a good thing. I think just, I was, I was reading about like this thing for Leash JA TV as well. And they want all player management interviews to be managed by Leash TV. And that just leads to softly, softly. There's no hard questions asked whatsoever. And yeah. it doesn't leave for like, for sure enough, Leash GA get to control the message, but as a product, it is not a good thing. And anyone that's skeptical at all should look at 
you know, check out the Premier League club channels or check out like FAI TV and all this sort of stuff. It's just, it's not what the, it, like, it's, it's a controlled message. It's all friendly. It might look polished, whatever, but it's not, it's, 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 it's free of any scrutiny or any independent questioning whatsoever. And it's yeah. not a good thing. That's a farce. It's a farce. And, and the, if the contact the least chairman, secretary or PRO with a brief on questions, like what kind of an interviewer is going to go in with a list of questions? Like, I mean, it's very, very rare. Sometimes if I ask someone for an interview to say, what are, what are you planning on discussing? I give them two or three talking points and yeah. they'd be happy enough with that. Give a call in with a list of questions. It just shows how little they know about how an interview works, that you're going to go in with a list of questions that they have to, they have to, okay. So like, this is like the Ryan Tuberty school of interviewing where you do read a list of questions, no matter what they say interesting, you're heading to your next question. You can't do that. Like, I mean, that's the most ridiculous thing I've ever, I've ever heard. Anyways, um, to go off that one, one left, and I was going to mention this last week because Dermot Early's Lake Regale um, was on and it was a very good one. I saw it on Sunday night. Um, I was trying to get Dermot on the show or Dermot on the show um, last Thursday, uh, but he's in the Lebanon, so he couldn't do it. But I thought an interesting piece out of the interview was when he was talking about the lead up to the All-Ireland final in 1998. He said, we did quite a lot of hard training for that two week period. Um, he said, I know Willie McCreary, he trains rain horses for a living. Um, now, often talked about how Miko should possibly have trained us for that month um, should possibly have trained us for a month in that we were at peak fitness against Kerry. We weren't going to get any fitter. We should have just maintained our fitness. A couple of our key players picked up Ningley injuries. And I remember that kind of leading into that final. And it's like, obviously Miko's thing was let's, we've a, a four week break before a final. Let's run the shite out of them maybe for two weeks. And you're not going to get any fitter if you're fit enough to play against Kerry in an semi semifinal and beat them. Why are you running the shite out of them when they're at their peak fitness? Yeah, but I'd say the idea, Willie, and you can probably speak to this more than um, more than me, obviously, having played under Mikko, but I'd say the idea at that time, that we're talking like over 20 years ago now at this stage, but the idea was that like to avoid complacency of any sort whatsoever. So like I like say in the three-week break before the final, whatever, they're probably thinking... The last thing that we want, you know, the, these what we want the Kildare players to do is to lose focus. And we've done it. This is how we've trained them up to now. So even though we have reached peak fitness, we're going to continue to do that. So, you know, that, 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 that nobody would nobody would get complacent and lead up to it. Like, it makes no sense. It makes no sense. But, like, at the time, I don't know. Like I, I'd say that the, the approach to training probably wasn't as scientific as it was at the time. But it did end up, I was watching Dermot Laker Gale, and, and we covered that 98 final uh Back nearly a year ago, uh, Willie, I remember as well, and that oh, probably yeah. cost. That did cost Kildare. They certainly weren't as free flowing against Galway as they were against uh, Kerry in the semi final. No, no, they definitely were. But Miko obviously got burned by this because by the time he'd come to Leash in 2003, his motto was to keep you fresh. I'll keep you fresh. So he never did anything like that with us. And right. almost almost to a point where you went complete opposite. And if you had the three-week break, you know, you'd be just tipping away at matches to be nothing hard done. And the message was to keep you fresh um, and things like that. And I remember in his third year, on his last year, he we had a three-week break before a Dublin game. And the big, I'll tell a story of this now because Paul Ryan is up next. And, um, you know, if you like stories, stay tuned for his stories, um, which are much better than mine. But remember, we had a three week break before this Dublin game. And the whole message again was, we'll you, we keep you fresh. And I remember Jerry, Jerry Loftus um, trained us and he's like an, elec- an ex uh, long distance runner. I remember him on Superstars and he used to take the training. 
And I remember saying to Jerry Loftus specifically one day, maybe we were a week and a half into it. I says, Jerry, we wouldn't mind it. I, like, I wouldn't mind an old blowout here. Jeez, we're, you know, we're going through the motions in these matches. And poor Jerry only used to give us, he used to just warm us up for five minutes, even though he was being paid to train us. He'd warm yeah. us up for five minutes and then we'd play a match, you know, which was kind of, you know, it was half-hearted some of the time because it was A's versus B's and Mikko's motto was you don't change the winning team. So the B team knew this is just completely pointless. And, you know, the games, the A team generally hammered the B team. But anyways, so I says to Jerry one day, I says, Jesus, Jerry, I don't feel like I'm, 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 uh, I f- feel like I'm losing fitness here. I says, can we have a blowout? No, no, Wooly, I'm under instructions. You have to be kept fresh. And that's it. So we went out against Dublin anyway. Dublin hammered us in, in the fourth, in the fourth year. So anyways, the next, uh, we, then we drew Tyrone in the qualifiers of all teams. So what did Mikko do? On the Monday or the, the, the Tuesday night we got back after, the, after getting hammered by Dublin, Jerry Loftus isn't at training. Mikko had gotten rid of Jerry. <laughs> Mikko had gotten rid of Jerry and Mikko took the training and he started, proceeded to run the shine out of us. So we were doing 400 metres, 300, whatever we were doing, laps and just ran the shine out of us. I think it was a two week break. So he ran the shine out of us to Tuesday, to Thursday, to Saturday, Sunday, and then we're back the following week. And lo and behold, we go and beat Tyrone, right? Um, we were ho- we did a lot of injuries. We beat them in a Moor Park in, on a terrible day. And I remember Tom Kelly being interviewed afterwards. And Tom Kelly uh, just innocently dropped yet that Mikko took the training, uh, took over the training. Every headline after the Tyrone win. And never mind the brilliant, the brilliant result from Leash players. Mikko the Messiah takes over. Mikko turns Leash's season around. Mikko, like he completely gets the credit for doing something he wouldn't allow Jerry Loftus to do in the lead up to the Dublin game. Like it was absolutely brilliant. See, and poor Jerry Loftus, I'd say, Willie, when he was going <laughs> time, if he like if he had his own way, he probably said, Willie, I agree with you. I think we should be doing X, Y, and Z. But because oh, yeah. we yeah, Jerry Loftus wasn't being called the Messiah after the Toronto game, unfortunately. <laughs> but Mikko the Messiah, that was it. The man, you cute Kerry Hoors. That's a leave it at that. Right, listen, we've enough done here, Connor. We'll get into Paul Ryan uh, interview next. I'd never be allowed to go off in a to have a shite like him and you know, a slob or whatever. Like, I was always doing a bit. I all I remember is I thought I was going to get clobbered in the way in there. I threw the ball up in there, I don't know, it was, it was pure luck, no one fairness. Pure luck. Ah, uh, but it's fucking bullshit, as you see yourselves. So last Friday, Paul Ryan decided to retire from inter-county hurling after 11 years with the Dubs, and he joins us on the line now. Paul, I was going to ask you what it feels like to be retired, but you were kind of retired in 2016, 2017 as well, so you've had a bit of a dry run at this. Uh, yeah, yeah, I have a bit of experience, all right, yeah. I uh, took a year out back then, yeah, kind of didn't think I was going to be back on board, but I was lucky enough that Pat Gilroy gave me a call and um, kind of threw my lot in with him then, and sure, look, I'm after getting another two or three years out of it, so. So, yeah, no, I always said if I if I had a 10-year career, I'd be, I'd be proud of it, and uh, yeah, got 11 years, so yeah, very lucky. And, and was the decision uh, difficult, Paul? Because I suppose maybe the last couple of years you've been struggling with injuries. You've been kind of on and off the team, I suppose. Uh, well, yeah, I was, I was first conscious of that now. Like when Matty came back, uh, sorry, when Matty took over, I 
really felt that the, his first year, I was starting to come back to myself. I was injury free, you know. Like I had an awful issues with the hamstrings over the years, and um, they kind of got a clear run of it. So I got a clear run at the the championship and felt I was, I was going really well. I was kind of the fittest I'd been in a long time. Touch was good and. Sure, then right before the Galway game, then in Parnell, I didn't like blow the hamstring out in a training session on the Thursday night, and sure, that was the year over. Like, so again, I did the exact same thing kind of last year, yeah, last year, yeah, coming into January. Um, had a really good pre season, and then yeah, nicked the hammer again, and I was on the back foot for the league and then chasing championships so uh, and it turned out that I, I actually tore my groin so yeah they were starting to build up now and starting to feel a bit older and the <laughs> injections were coming fast and heavy so yeah I just think it was the right time to, to call it a day I didn't want to be known as a player that was just hanging around being injured and yeah so it was more the frustration of the injuries. Come here, I'm interested to hear that the hamstring has always bothered you because I the, the hamstring plagued me throughout my career and I'm putting it down to I didn't do enough weights and make it strong enough. Did you ever figure out why you kept it kept reoccurring with you? Like, I tried everything, you know, like I had bloody wedges put into the car to lift me, the <laughs> angle of my leg and everything. Like, and yeah, did all the strength work and there was literally nothing I could do. Like, the, especially last year, really just proved to me I'm just obviously genetically weak in that area that I uh, I had done everything right there was no sign of of a niggle or anything beforehand it wasn't tight and it just came out of the blue so I was just saying that that, that was probably the most disheartening thing that you know sometimes you feel these things you feel a tightness and you say right yeah God's sake like that was tight beforehand and I can see where it came from but no, it was. Uh, it just came out of blue last year, and uh, the lads went on to to beat Galway in Parnell, and sure, uh, it was devastating watching in on that. But obviously, delighted for the team. But yeah, rushing back to uh, to try and get back uh, against Leash then, uh, to which we yeah we didn't uh, perform the best on the day. No, you got off the bench that day. Um, um I, I, I remember. <laughs> I got off the bench that day, yeah, and I was about 70% right, but yeah, I don't know, I didn't have much of an effect on the game that day. Um, yeah, but Sherlock was gone from us, like, at least, just really, really gave it to us that day. Yeah, we, knew, we, 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 uh, we knew it was coming, we knew that if they got on top at all, that the crowd would get behind them, and uh, we just, yeah, we didn't turn up. I, w- I want to get um, onto the Maddie Kenny years um, in in a little while, but it just, I suppose we're starting off with injuries and kind of kind of on a downer. Yeah. <laughs> you've, had some, you've had some memories, Paul. Like I mean, first ever league, first win league win since 1939. That was in 2011. Most of your your best moments were kind of at the at the start, you towards the start. Yeah. Yeah, like I would have actually came in very early when I was like 19, uh, 18, 19 under Tommy Nocton. And geez, they were back in the days when we were getting the hand-me-down jerseys from the football. <laughs> we were hitting, the, you know, pulling on slippers on ropes and stuff. Like it was just, you'd laugh about it these days. Hang like, on, you were pulling on slippers on ropes so you wouldn't lose them. Well, I don't ask me. <laughs> don't ask. I wasn't the coach. I just sort of did what I was told. But yeah, no. Look, in fairness to Tommy, like he 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 brought it to to a certain level. Like when when Tommy took over, like that Dublin hurling was back then. There was 
like there was nothing really put into it. The, the attitude was wrong. It was just like, you know, back then, like nearly lads would be happy to be on the team to get a jersey and a bit of gear type of thing. Yeah. And then, to, you know, I went away then. I think I played one year under Tommy. Went away then to Chicago for a year and came back and sure Dale had taken over then. So called back into the panel. Um, and yeah, so I realised very quickly what Dalo was about. He straight off the bat was like talking about all Ireland and stuff. And I remember looking around the room going like, is this fella mental? Like we're in Division 2 or why are we even talking about all Ireland? But that was just the man himself. Like he, he, he just instilled a huge belief in the team. And, you know, you just weren't allowed to think that you know, you weren't good enough or you couldn't compete with the Kenny's and the tips and uh, of this world. And yeah, he just completely revolutionised what we thought of ourselves, really. Right, and it, that, so like, I mean, before Dalo took over, it was a confidence belief issue. You know, like, I mean, that's what, that's that was Dalo's main ingredient. Yeah, well, yeah, like I think as, as a Dublin hurler, me growing up, like all I wanted to do now was play for Dublin. My, my own dad was some tips I was bred into me very early. Um, I don't think I had a choice for him to play hurling. Um, and yeah, just like when, when, when Dalo took over, it was, we, we as a Dublin hurler, you didn't feel that you belonged to, you know, in the same arena as these bigger teams. And, you know, we would have had that uh, problem with self, self-belief. And yeah, he, he really just turned it around. And then in 2011, like he, brought in a guy called Martin Kennedy and Martin just he, he added another level completely you know to the point where remember one the first training session we had with Martin was in O'Toole Park I don't know if you know, know O'Toole Park now in the winter oh I do was absolutely miserable there was barely I remember like there was barely floodlights there was floodlights on like one half of the pitch and the other half was in darkness and you'd be running around this pitch but Martin came in and uh, we didn't. We actually we never met Martin really beforehand. He, we were just told, right, the new guy coming in, Martin Kennedy, and um, he'll be training you for the year. Uh, I think Dale was looking after the kind of hurling skills type of things, where uh, Martin was coming from more S and C point of view. And we ran out of the dressing room and walked out onto the pitch anyway. Martin said, um, "He's a very serious type of character, like, and he says." Uh, yeah, you go back into that dressing room and run out like all Ireland champions. They're like looking around saying, All right, here's <laughs> another headbanger that they looked after bringing in. <laughs> we went back in anyway, and we were all talking, kind of, you know, yourself, like laughing amongst yourselves, saying, Right, uh, let's, let's give this a rattle. So we ran out anyway, and he again said, not, not good enough. <laughs> and we're like, Lads, we're going to be here all night. Like, so we absolutely burst out of the dressing room. <laughs> this is like in November on a Tuesday night and out into the cold and sprinting onto the pitch and he just said, that's better. So that, that was his mark. He, that, that's how he started. And the first night he said, right, we're going to do one run. Uh, it's going to be a 50-yard run and that's all we're doing for the night. But you have control over that. And they're saying, oh, grand. Jesus, you like this fella. So, uh did one run anyway, and I remember like three or four lads or even more, uh, you know, stopped before the line that he had said that you need to run to. Um, actually, we ended up doing, geez, we must have done about 40 runs <laughs> because <laughs> there was always one that stopped directly like a foot before the line. So basically what he was teaching us there, don't be taking shortcuts. Yeah. That you won't win anything by taking shortcuts. But yeah, 
he added another layer and then sure all the guys in the background then Richie you know Richie Thickland Hedgeo they were always there and it was just the culture that he added over the years and and, and I have to say like I enjoyed every minute of it even the tough training like the the stories that Dalo come in and tell about him and Baker you know up to no good somewhere and then you'd be absolutely heaving and he tell you some sort of stupid story that would make everyone laugh, lift the spirits a bit, and he go, right, go again. I sure, like, it was just gassing. It, it was a great crack now. A brilliant crack now back in those days. Like, the, the team was, was very, very close. Yeah, it sounds a little bit like our time with Mick O'Dwyer. You could have to do maybe 15 laps. You come back and you want to finish. Yeah. He'd tell you then that you're all going to be all-stars like Jack O'Shea and he'd send you off for another yeah. 15 and you're happy to go for the other 15. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's it. Like, that's what they like. You tell an old tale or something and then it's your off, you go again. You'd get, you'd get <laughs> through it. Like, but yeah, it was incredible. Like, yeah. And sure, then there was, you know, we we happened to have a bit of success then in 2011 with the league, and um, like looking back on that team, actually, like that, like that was that was a very good team. Like we had wow. phenomenal players, like like Dotsy and Dotsy was amazing. Like I, I used to look at Dotsy and just be like, how has he got himself into that amount of space? <laughs> Um, but then yeah, like I had half forward lines like Keeney Dwyer, Danny Sawcliffe when he came in then like he was just a revolution when he came in. Um a revelation when he came in, should I say. So it was it was uh, the the thing about it is like you beat Kilkenny in that league final. Like I mean, I, I was actually at that on Hill sixteen. I remember Colonel Keane scoring an incredible point. I remember torturing him in Coppers yeah. later that night about this brilliant point he <laughs> scored from off his left hand side, way, way down the field. I don't know how he did it. And then you beat Kilkenny in two thousand and thirteen. Like this is the this is the great Kilkenny team. You know, this isn't like he came along yeah. and won while, you know, it was you know, handy enough to win. Yeah, yeah, like I think when Keeney came in and we came back from the footballers, um, he added a completely different attitude. Now I'd always put himself and Johnny McCaffrey in the same boat. Uh, that nearly had this stubbornness that nobody else was better than us, and Johnny was nearly carrying that mantle himself for a long time. And like it's it's nearly like an arrogance. <laughs> and yeah. you know yourself like you've come across players like that and well I've come like, across Colin Keeney that's the one that jumps to mind yeah like Keeney <laughs> yeah he's you know Keeney now like he's kind of calls it as it is and he just brought that whole different aspect to it like that's you know we had to believe in ourselves and he truly believed in himself you could see it in every performance he put in like I think it was why was it a league game against Tip in Croker? And uh, I think it was Malcolm, Malcolm Park Mara. And Park Mara the year before got Young Player of the Year, and you know, he's held as the next big thing. And Keeney came in, and you know, he certainly didn't look <laughs> look like the uh, Young Player of the Year. Keeney just he had no respect for not that he had no respect, but like he just he believed in him, his own ability so much, and, and that just. What, like, what I would say about Keeney is that he's not on the pitch to make friends with anybody. No, no, not at all. Like, not, not at all. But yeah. uh, that just went right through the team then. And more lads started believing. And it only takes one or two then, you know. And then everybody starts. And as a group then, we just grew. And um, But a lot, lot behind that as well. Like, I'm probably making it sound too easy. Like, we had a lot of training camps and 
down to uh, we went down to the current. The line that was mad for these uh, trips down to the army to to try and break us. Uh, <laughs> you know, I think they're nearly gone these days. But uh, I remember one particular one. We went down to uh, Bear Island. Um, it was like a five and a half, six hour journey down the bus, and um, I, we actually ended up calling it Mare Island because it was an absolute disaster. <laughs> we got off the bus anyway. Sure, I had a pillow and everything with me. I had a pair of jeans on me. Got a boat across, and Seth and Tracy, we were all told to line up uh, in twos. Uh, in a big look and Troy had the pillow hanging out of the bloody bag it probably looked like an idiot <laughs> and had a pair of jeans on these army officers came over and just for, there was no hello nothing it was just roaring at us immediately and we had to run a mile up to this like barracks and then we were all told to bring our club jerseys so we were like what is this about so we were given essentially 30 seconds to get ready in the barracks and it was one of these one of these places where like there was 40, 50 beds in the one place so everybody was throwing on the gear and uh, all in the club jersey but they run around in a circle and when we came out to the yard and then we were given a stretcher we were given like this ammo box and basically a load of heavy items <laughs> that you had to carry and off we went running for her we were putting groups in five I think and one person had to be on the stretcher at all times should we have Stephen Heine in our group? Should Jesus Christ? I don't know how weight he is, but he was very heavy. <laughs> so when it was his turn, it was great because he, he was like a he was nearly like a donkey when you could just give him all the heavy stuff to carry. But when you had to carry him, it was a disaster. So yeah, we all off and went running for like three hours. But as the sun started setting, then um, I thought it was quite good. Our lads were out on their feet. We, were, we had to run up this hill. And as we were running up this massive long hill at the top of the hill, I actually remember Gary Maguire fell straight into into a bush off the hill and Keeney was having to pull him back out. And we both continued that continued the whole way up the hill anyway. And when we got up there, Dalo and Ray Finn and Richie and Hedgeo and all the boys were were standing at the top and uh, there's a load of Dublin jerseys laid out. So we were all of course Dalo gave some speech as he usually does and uh, you could nearly, you know, you could cut the atmosphere with a knife, and we were all handed a Dublin jersey then, and you know, we're all one family, and you know, you know how that goes anyway. Yeah, just stuff like that. Hard to describe. If you're describing that to anyone outside of sport or anyone that hasn't done it, they'd be saying you're after your hair bang. Why would you do that? Like, but when you're in it and completely immersed in it it, it really galvanises the team but it is it is this great team bonding stuff we like I mean I remember in the late 90s under Tom Cribben doing these army days as well where you just we just got collected at training and we went off and we had to camp the night somewhere and we were with these army guys and all this orienteering and like I mean you have a couple of points then the, the the second night and suddenly you're coming home that Sunday like like this great yeah. you know this really close bonded team. Yeah. I think you yeah. you you mentioned you don't think teams do that anymore. I I think that's crazy. Yeah, yeah. So I I don't know. Like I think it's it's, it's gone very professional. It's gone very, you know, tactical. And I don't yeah. know. Maybe teams look at that side of things. But like, geez, I, I I think the foundation of any team you need to be close. You need to be have each other's back and. <laughs> You know, like when, I suppose when Dale when we got when we won the league, uh, we might have got a bit more bit more budget, and uh, we went on one or two of the Portugal trips. Now they were they were brilliant. They were a different level. Like it's hard, it, when you're away, I think 
and you have no one else but yourselves within a within a whatever an apartment block and yeah. then you have pitch in the gym like you can't avoid each other really like you only have yourselves and you have to create your own crack in sure some of the crack that went on there was was unbelievable like it was uh like I think the you know you, geez, you wouldn't get away with it these days but I hear you got Michael Carruth with a good uh, trick you do a bit of a uh, dialogue oh yeah I'll come to that now yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm really afraid to do accents anymore after the <laughs> introduction of Conor Moore like if we only had him back in the day doing dialogue accents like he is unbelievable at it um, I was just making a stab at it, but uh, yeah, I remember like back in the day when we arrived. We I think it was the first Portugal trip, and I leave the boy's names, but uh, this was just a testament to Dalo's man management and how he went about things. Um, because lads would be dropped these days for this carry on. Uh, but two of the boys now, and, two, and there were two like instrumental characters within the team, just unbelievable crack. Lads loved being around them, and that's very important in the team. But didn't the two of them? And this is kind of the attitude back in the day with Dublin Harland that Dalo was constantly trying to change, and and he did, he succeeded in it. But in the early days, we went to, we arrived at the airport, and the whole team was there. And two of the lads got some coppers the night before, and turned up pissed, and we were all trying to hide them away from the from Dalo and Richie and Hedge on the bus, <laughs> and sure didn't Dalo spot them anyway, and like I'd say. He was, he was planning on sending them home, but then he said, oh, geez, look, I'll just let them go. I won't make a big deal of it. He's probably thinking of what to do on the plane on the way over. And we were all thinking, all right, the lads are getting caught anywhere. They're getting sent home. Now, what he decided to do is he got in a, he got himself and Martin Kennedy jumped in a golf cart because there was a golf course on, on, on the uh, place we were staying and ran the minute they got off the plane he, he made them run for about two or three hours in the <laughs> eastern heat. <laughs> and while doing this, while videoing this, and then he, he said, right, that's your punishment. They had to apologize to the group. Sure, we were all laughing and everything at that, at that stage. And at the end, he got the video analysis uh, girl that was with us at that time. She edited the whole thing. And... <laughs> And played it at the end of the camp. Well, it was possibly the funniest video. It was just Dalo was abusing them while videoing them, and they were abusing Dalo. <laughs> <laughs> but like, just it was unreal. Like, it was, you know, you wouldn't get away from it these days. But stuff like that, then you know, as reacted to that, that two boys probably thought they were gone. You know, and yeah. He kept them around, and sure, the amount you get out of lads after that, you know. Yeah, I think so. Like, I mean, I think Dalo had the Midas touch. Like, I mean, Dalo's a player's man and he understands. Do you know what I mean? That's the kind of impression you get. He just understands players. That that was the right way to yeah. deal with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like even at the end of the camp, we... Uh, now, look, I, I, I'll name myself in this, but we had a... We told Dalo said on the last night, he said, look, right, you know, we decided as a group not to drink. Uh, so, look, none of us are going to drink. So, some of that stayed, stayed around the, the place we were staying and... Uh, but seven of us, which became known as the Secret Seven, because uh, one of the lads the, that was bringing us from the kind of houses up to the up to the pitch and stuff on the buses, we got him. We paid him like a hundred quid uh, to bring us into Villamora. <laughs> so we were telling him, "I'm telling you now, lad, don't go in drinking." And we we're like, "Ah, hundred percent, hundred percent, yeah, yeah." <laughs> Jeez, we weren't down. 
literally 10 minutes down the road and we pulled into some off license, got a heap of bottles and share off the night went there. We ended up doing karaoke and all the rest like and uh, we came back anyway and I remember Dale years later he said I have to do something about it because Dwyer of course came back Ryan Dwyer I'll name him alright because he'll find that funny he came back and sure he couldn't hide that he was completely pissed <laughs> so <laughs> got us all caught and when we got back to Dublin, Sir Dana was here and he said, I have, to, I have to do something about it then, you know, like the group knew about it. I was, I was going to ignore it, but he says, I have to do something about it. So we all had to, seven of us had to line up across the goal in the next training session that we had. And uh, the last basically had a few buckets of tennis balls and we weren't allowed to move. If we moved, we were dropped. <laughs> absolutely horse balls off us. Oh, from what distance? So that was huh? From how, how far were they out? Ah, oh, like the twenty-one. Jesus! 21 and we were across the goal, goal line. Oh, we were absolutely in bits. <laughs> 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 and we said after, we're like, that's just pure abuse. And he said, oh, you're lucky you're going tennis ball. <laughs> <laughs> the next time it'll be slitter, like, like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stuff like that. Then went on over the years, and uh, I was great crack. And then he tried to prank them. Like it was, I used to take the off and ring a few of the lads, tell them that I wanted to see them in the hotel. And yeah, you do it to younger lads. I got Johnny McClellan one year. You know, Johnny would have been only twenty, twenty-one, and you know, pretended it was Dalo. And you know, wanted to see him up in, uh, wanted to see him up in the hotel because he had messed up one of the golf carts because he was rallying around and broke one of the wheels or something. And, He's all right, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Come up, uh, come up to the hotel and see you. And uh, yeah, I rang him back. Then gone. Gee, what are you taking so long for? Jesus sake! You'll be gone. You'll be gone by tomorrow. <laughs> so, I know. Go crack now. Go crack. And then uh, I thought it was the best one. The infamous one was uh, when we got crewed. Oh, geez, that was that was that was a brilliant one. But he still annoys it to this day. That's the thing. As you were to me, but he absolutely wasn't. So, so, to, so, just so people understand, so you were you pretended to be. It was around the time Sky Sports got the GA rights, and you pretended to be Sky Sports. Michael Carruth was your. He was a masseuse with you at the time, but did a little bit of maybe sports psychology or whatever he did with you. He did, yeah, yeah, yeah. Two roles there, like so. I mean, it was brilliant, like he's great crack, like and, uh, yeah. We're basically rang him, uh, texted Ray, texted Dale and Richie, and said, "Look, this is what we're planning, you know. So if your man says." you know, feed into, basically feed into it, you know. Um, so I rang him and told him, I don't know, I made up a name, it's Tommy, Tommy Carlisle from Sky Sports, all this, you know, I'm looking to get you on board. And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're like, you know, I'm very media savvy. And that kind of stuff. And so we knew we had him then. And uh, it was brilliant because Ray, who was our kit man, uh, Ray videoed the whole thing. And again, with the video of the two boys, Turning up pissed, and we got, uh, you know, we managed to get crew then uh, on a full call, with all recorded. And then we also, I managed to get uh, Tommy John, who was our trainer at the time. Tommy was a bit more of a serious character, so I had to kind of get used to the crack. But I told Tommy I was, I think, from Parnell, I think, of Parnell to come into a few bob with, with the selling of uh, certain bitches. And I told him that we wanted him up to manage the senior team and that we'd send a 
helicopter down to Turles to collect him. <laughs> that is correct. I'm sure we had him recording. Now he didn't he didn't bite too much that he didn't give too much away, but he couldn't believe that it was me. I thought he was gonna ring my neck now and but it was all played just before we left him for the airport. Um before we left. But I was go crack now. Jesus, sounds like good crack. Sounds like great days under Dalo. There's no doubt about that. Like maybe it has gotten a little bit more serious and weekends away are more tactical and there's not that space just to, you know, maybe be allowed to have the little bit of crack. I've loads of stuff here, Paul, about hurling, but it, you don't sound like the type of fella who would enjoy talking about the hurling as much as the crack. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, nah, look, I'm allowed to believe in that. If you're, if you're like, look, I've always mad at my hurling and, you know, when I was younger, I'd never went anywhere over there. Without a hurl, it's just uh, I, I think you need to I think you need to enjoy something if you're if you're going to persevere with it. And yeah. we always had that attitude around it, even the worst times ever. And you know, I always had, just want to have a bit of crackling. Yeah, no, definitely. Come here. Is it true? A little birdie told me that you tried to get your teammates to call you radar. Yeah. <laughs> 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 well, I think Niall Scully actually came out with that years ago, and. Uh, it was actually, you know, when I was in uh, DIT, the Wexford lads, I would have been in college now with uh, Paul Morris and a few other Wexford boys. And they, they actually took it on, used to call me right there in, in college. But now the Dublin boys never give that to me. So, that, so well, you obviously understand radar for a free taker is a very complimentary nickname. So this was never going to happen with the Dublin lads. No, never going to happen. No, no, no. You were always kept nicely grounded there. Um, like Peter Kelly now had a great way of uh, keeping your ground and knowing um, knowing around a long time like so uh, I, the, the, I, uh, one particular story of keeping your ground was one of my own buddies Simoff uh, Simon Lambert he I remember I got sent off in a league game against uh, Limerick in Croker and I was devastated, you know, I think I was 23, 24, you know, we ended up losing the game because of sure I knew it was because I got sent off. So all the lads went down to, to the orchard and they were drinking a few points and, you know, a few texts, here, will you come down? Like, you know, I said, don't be sitting at home thinking about it. And uh, I said, uh, I said, no, nah, no, nah, I can't, I can't, I can't. Like, the whole game is on me. Like, will you stop feeling sorry for yourself? Come down for a point, we'll talk about it, it'll be grand. So I arrived down to the orchards and, you know, of course, I'm feeling sorry for myself coming in the door, expected, you know, the hands around the shoulder and, you know, would you like a pint? No, uh, they had, were fully prepared and Simo took a whistle out of the back pocket. This is in front of everybody now. Um, took a whistle out of the back pocket, blew the whistle, took out a red card. <laughs> <laughs> and made an absolute show. You wrote a whole pub and it was, there, look, it's out in the open. You're over. <laughs> that sounds like good sports psychology to me. Yeah, brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. So it was just uh, look, yeah, that kind of crack was just rampant for a good six, seven years there. <laughs> and, yeah, uh, no, yeah, good guys like yeah, Chris Crumley and nobody still there in the panel that Danny Sutcliffe like they they'd be cussing that same class. And so, come here. What are you going to do with yourself now? Are you going to stay playing club, or is the injuries just pissing you off to the point where you, you're giving everything up? Um, no, I think uh, I'll be fine for club. It's just I think in the county level, you there's just no let up. Um, yeah. You know, I was constantly trying to push to get back 
because you know when the injuries if they, if they hit you in January, February, you're chasing the year. That's just what happens to me the last kind of two years. Even now at the moment, we've got an operation on the groin and it's still not right. So I, I'm still another month or two away from from that being perfectly okay, you know. Um, and just when you're out of the county, it's just you don't have that time. You don't you don't have the luxury of uh, sitting on your arms and doing rehab for three, four months because you're you're just really giving another fellow your position. Yeah, no, that's kind of how it works. Come here, listen, I could talk to you all day, Paul, but we'll have to let you go. <laughs> no bother. No uh, congratulations, congratulations on the career, your fantastic career, and all the best. Yeah, good man. Thanks, Willie. Well, when I started running, I suppose I didn't stop, and when I got the chance to go, I said I'd stay going, so it opened up. We're only the small little fish out there, so we are, and uh, we're trying hard to make it through. But it's hard to get the brakes when you're the smaller fish. Because I love this county so much, you know. And it's just I'm delighted that the lads, the lads did it for the people of Walford today because, like, I'm I'm heartbroken.